You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 210. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And today we are going to talk about renegade agility. But let's be honest. Agile is broken these days. From the recent tech layoffs, the arguments over remote versus in-office collaboration, and the discovery that we've forgotten about DEI and the Agile Silver Bullet has lost its shine lately. What do we do? Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by Meisterplan. Meisterplan is a project portfolio management and resource management tool that helps companies create realistic and achievable project portfolios with features like drag and drop project ranking, real-time scenario comparison, and allocation heat maps. Portfolio managers have all the project data they need right at their fingertips. To see how Meisterplan can help you uncomplicate your project portfolio, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial at meisterplan.com. That's M-E-I-S-T-E-R-P-L-A-N.com. Okay, so what do we do? Is Agile really broken? Is there a problem? Well, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you will know that I have my favorite Agile guy, Jesse Fuel. And I've invited Jesse back today to talk about this concept of renegade agility, talk about whether or not Agile is really broken, and if so, what must we do about it? So I've got Agile pioneer Jesse Fuel back to tell us the juicy gossip on what's wrong with Agile these days and what we can do to fix it. What's now, up, everybody? Now, if you're not familiar with Jesse, just so you know, my dear friend who I haven't seen in, I don't know, weeks, but it feels like it's been forever. Jesse has mentored thousands of technology professionals across 14 countries to improve their teams and companies using agile methods. That's why he's my agile guy. He's founded several startups, contributed to three industry certifications and authored publications reaching over half a million readers in 11 languages. Gosh, I hope my book does half that well. His <laughs> industry contributions have earned him an IEEE Computer Society Golden Core Award. And today he specializes in helping agile leaders and professionals get the reward and recognition of transforming their chaotic, overcommitted workplace to produce the best results of their careers. Sounds to me like he's creating an army of impact drivers. Jesse, thank you so much for coming back. <laughs> it is always a treat, Laura. I love your mission, your podcast. I love your people. What's up, impact drivers? And we got something to talk about today. I'm a man with a spur in my saddle, a fire under my butt. We got something to talk about today. Oh, uh, well, then let's just go into it because I think there's definitely something going on here and not everyone's talking about it. Everyone's acting like everything's fine, but there's some problems happening and I think we should just dive in. Sound good to you? Yeah, let's do it. Let me first kind of describe the problem. And you mentioned it in the intro, the annual state of agile report for my money is the single most important document that comes out every year to describe what is agile. What is Agile about? Who's doing it? What do you get out of it? What should I be worried about? And for the 16th year, for the 16th year, they've been doing this. It's fantastic insights. 
And the respondents are from organizations from all industries and all countries. Seven in 10 people say, we're good. Seven in 10 agile people say, when it comes to their agile practices in their company, half of them are satisfied and one in five are very satisfied. Hmm. So what that means is agile people are declaring victory. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we've got this figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're awesome. Uh, you should totally buy uh, what we're selling. And uh, oh, um, never mind the hemorrhaging of uh, layoffs. And never mind the fact that um, we have institutional inequity baked into Agile. And uh, never mind the fact that we can't convince CEOs um, to empower us to work the way we want to work. Mm-hmm. We've got it all figured out. We're awesome. And yet nothing is awesome. I mean, don't want to be the doom and gloom person, but there is some serious cognitive dissonance going on about what's really happening in the industry versus what we believe in our bones to be true. And it's just, there's not alignment there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I wonder, are any of these people actually asking the executives about their perspective? Because I can tell you, a lot of executives are living in the real world with us saying, uh, things aren't so perfect. Why is everyone acting like it's all sunshine and flowers? So this is part of it. And Laura, you've been the prophetess that your opinion about what the leaders need to do and what the leaders need to understand. You know, the leaders really need to come to your class, Laura, because they need to hear this. They're the problem. And Mm -hmm. in many ways, that's always going to be the mantra from a revolutionary movement that went from bottom up. Let's be honest, Agile has been since the 90s. It's been a revolutionary movement where the Rebel Alliance was going up against the Death Star of bureaucracy, CMMI and ISO 9000 and Six Sigma. I mean, we're going to defeat the bureaucracy. Let's go. And there's a tendency to blame the boss in almost all scenarios when, in fact, our job is to enable the boss to make the decisions that are healthiest for all. Exactly. And, And we don't know. We don't sit in that chair. And if you don't sit in that chair, you don't get to throw stones. What you do get to do is you do get to kind of side up and partner and ask and listen. And then once you've earned that seat at the table, which you talk about, uh, Mm -hmm. now you can be invited to offer some input. So no, I don't think so. In fact, I was at the Business Agility Conference in New York City. This is an annual event where Agile champions from middle management to senior leadership come together and talk about how do we build new kinds of organizations. Mm -hmm. And one of the things in the breakout session around how do we communicate agility to executives, there was kind of an agreed aha moment that we don't. We don't Mm. talk to senior executives. If we do, we don't talk in their language. Mm -hmm. And if we do, we don't appreciate the pressure that they're under, which is Mm -hmm. why there's, there's a lot of layoffs happening that don't seem to make sense. And the tech industry just is dumbfounded and doesn't know what to make of it. That's just one symptom. Well, you know, what's really ironic here is that the whole Agile's here to save the day from this huge disconnect between strategy and execution. And here they are with the same problem, not talking to the executives, not getting their seat at the table because they're shoving a bunch of Agile speak. Sound familiar? We used to complain that you're shoving a bunch of PM speak at the executive. Stop doing that. Now we're doing the same thing with Agile, right? The same problems that were there before are there. And so the shiny agile has kind of worn off for a lot of executives that were all in because someone convinced them that if we just make everything this big agile transformation, that the world will be better. And that's what your whole untapped agility book and training and coaching and everything is all about is explaining that, you know, agile transformations fail too. 
And they're failing for a lot of the same reasons that any kind of huge revolutionary versus evolutionary kind of endeavor to come in and change the world has because it's just so much and people are doing it wrong. I think there's so much about agile and the tenets of agile and the core of what it's supposed to be about that is beautiful and pure and just Mm. lovely. Our whole Mm. impact engine system is an agile implementation approach to building a PMO, not an Mm. agile PMO because there, you should not name your PMO after an implementation approach, but the concepts of iterative continuous value delivery cycles, et cetera. I love that. And Mm -hmm, yet here mm -hmm. we are creating this monstrosity of a thing that's just not working. And it's for all the same reasons that the methodologies before it were failing. And I think this is a common affliction from all professionals. If you want to take notes, here's principle number one, disconnect the substance from the system. Mm. All of these methodologies and the mechanics are a means to an organizational end. Yes. We get so obsessed with processes and practices and methods and methodology. We get so obsessed about the how that we lose sight of the why. And so this is an affliction that's happening more and more in the agile circles that we were supposed to do better than the traditional PM circles. And now it's a disease that seems to be infecting the agile community, which is you're doing it wrong. Mm. And we dedicated a whole chapter to doing it wrong. Yeah, they're not doing it the way you want them to do. And the way you want them to do probably doesn't matter. Right. What you want, champion of change, impact driver, what you want does not matter at scale. Right. It matters for you in your career, matters for you in your role, choose the job that's going to reward you and satisfy you. But the real question is, what does the organization need And for that, you need to, here's the other chapter of the book, stop selling, start Mm -hmm. listening, stop selling, start aligning. So number one, disconnect the substance from the system because everybody needs a system to get to the substance they're going for. It's just that sometimes we've got such a narrow toolkit. So if all you've got is scrum, then you're going to be looking around for scrummy things. If all you got is Kanban, all you got is critical path method. If all right. you have is earn value management, you're going to be looking around for those things. Yeah. And you're, you're a carpenter with a hammer looking for nails. And mm-hmm. that means that you're going to be missing out on a lot of impact. This is so good. Oh, yes. And that's the thing. I just can't get over the irony that these are the same problems regardless of methodology. This is the difference between the people that are doing the delivery work and getting so focused and defining their value by their methodology or their approach or their process instead of defining their value by what matters to the executives, you know, the people that hired them, which is getting to the outcomes and the impact, the results, the return on investment. That's what the business leaders care about. And we have all of these folks that are in execution that have mistakenly tied their value to their certifications, to their process. And, you know, executives aren't making it much better. They're saying, okay, you're telling me I have to hire people with this certification and that's where I'll get value. But there's a disconnect between that certification and the results. We have to make sure that we're focused on getting the results first. Frankly, some of the best program managers I ever had report to me, it took forever just to get them to get a PMP. I don't need that to be valuable to my customers. And they were right. Right. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting certifications, understanding that that's just so that you can speak a common language and know what tools are available to you. But you have to use them for good instead of evil. You have to use them to get to the outcomes instead of trying to perfect the process. And to build on that, Laura, yes, go get the certifications. Knowledge 
um, can help build both your confidence and your competence uh-huh. in your craft, but beware of technique lock-in, <laughs> like yeah. when you lock yourself into a single technique, because you're going to end up with a particular team or a particular program or a particular problem where that technique is not what is needed. I've made this mistake myself plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Here's an example. I was hired by one IT shop to install agile methodology. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of concerning symptoms about the culture of the organization. So, yep. you know, I said, let's do an agile readiness assessment. Let's just do mm-hmm. that. And did a lot of interviews, did a survey and handed them back some really critical feedback to the senior leadership team saying, you know what, you want to go install agile methodology. But here, you're welcome is a reflection in the mirror of just how ugly the situation is. And man, did I get yelled at. They mm. were like, we asked you to install the solution. We want you to install. We did not ask you to tell us how bad we are at our jobs. And <laughs> <laughs> even though I have my own convictions about culture and leadership, yeah. and they simply weren't ready for the tool They weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for what I wanted to give them. So beware, impact driver, even the most accomplished of us fall trapped to having a tool in search of a problem to use. And then, oops, now I've got egg on my face and I got to do some cleanup. Yeah. So I'm preaching from pain, ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. preaching from pain. I mean, I have 210 episodes now. where I've been doing that because I, that's the whole beauty of where we are in our careers, Jesse, is that having been in the shoes of our impact drivers, been in organizations, worked our way up, had all of the mistakes and experiences, and then learned from them, and then had some big wins. Now, being in the roles we are now, where we go in and help companies solve these problems, we've seen it all. We've experienced it all ourselves. And the whole reason we do this podcast is to help people not make the same mistakes that we have either made or seen others make over time. We're trying to create a better future and an easier path forward for those that come after us. So thank you for taking the time to do that and just sharing, honestly, this stuff's messy. So speaking of messy, (laughs) the other topic that is really hot right now that we hinted to was this work from home versus back to office. Given that Agile has always mandated co-located teams, how is this even a debate at all? Okay. So when the Agile movement was formalized in 2001 with the manifesto, one of the 12 underlying principles was that face-to-face communication is the most efficient, effective form of communication within and with teams. So Mm. face-to-face. But then as this movement started to expand into multinational conglomerates, it started to be embraced as a way to connect offshore teams with onshore teams by having more frequent touch points and getting critical feedback loops in place. We started to realize that, hey, this agile thing can help with distributed teams. It can help create connection for remote people that are working from home. And then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And so what was at that time a debate now became a mandate, a public health mandate. You have to work from home. You have to agile remotely. And what we saw, everything in the news is telling us productivity went up. Employee empowerment went up. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a lot of increase in uh, mental health anxiety. And some of that is related to not having the same kind of human connection 
And so there is kind of a little bit too much of a good thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And now what senior leaders are running into is, well, okay, what do I do about too much of a good thing? Because if right. my employees are struggling with anxiety at unprecedented levels because of the post-pandemic recovery and all of that, mm -hmm. um, let's just bring everybody back to the office. Let's just go back mm -hmm. to the way things were before there were any problems, except the whole childcare industry has been destroyed. It's no longer yeah. an option. And right. people literally relocated their homes based on the fact that I was told this was a remote job. And so the past is not a solution to the present. It never is. Mm -hmm. and, and so we're faced with a real existential question. How do we best collaborate? And the first question we need to answer around that is, where do we work? Where do we work? Yeah. And so this is a legitimate conversation. It's a legitimate question. On the one hand, work from home equals empowerment. It equals flexibility. Mm -hmm. It equals productivity on a personal level. On the other hand, it also equals disconnection. Mm -hmm. It also equals, if you believe Zuckerberg's data over at Meta, it also equals a slower professional development curve for new hires. Mm -hmm. And now we're having to figure out how do we have our new hires accelerate and grow and onboard the same way. I'm biased because my consulting firm has been 100% remote since 2014 and mm -hmm. coming up on our 10th year anniversary. So yeah. I'm biased on that. And yet we spend real money to bring our people together on a regular basis to yeah. keep that connection alive. So this thing, it's directly related to the Agile conversation. It's an open question. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm like you, I just hit 10 year anniversary. We've always been remote. We have a team that's all over the world. And yet you know, we're trying to figure out ways to bring everyone together, you know, here in South Florida for a weekend to just connect in person because there is just something different about that. And the same thing with our clients, like most of our work is remote, but there's just no replacing when they, you know, fly me up to go spend time with them, you know, for a week or a few days or whatever. There's just nothing like it. So I get it and I get the co-location and all the power of it. But also there's no way I'd want to go into an office every day. No way. So well, I appreciate that it's a challenge, but you know, there are ways to connect virtually and to keep most of the engagement virtual. You just have to really know what you're doing and how to do it and take it seriously. So I do think that's really important. Yeah. So here's the tip. If you're an impact driver and you're wrestling with this right now, I strongly, strongly encourage you to build a virtual collaboration skill set. Yeah. This is a new skill. This is a new organizational competency about what does it virtual is. collaboration look like? It is not eight hours of video meetings. It's not. Right. It's not right. about the webcam. It's right. not about the webcam. Asynchronous collaboration includes how do we create messages and DMs and posts that uh, mm -hmm. don't turn into a Slack blizzard. Uh, right. <laughs> and how do we use Microsoft Teams in a way where we have the right content organized okay. the right way? My son is an early career software engineer, and he has this term called get perfect, which is mm. their team has working agreements in place where anything they can find is inside the get tool. And so they have their working agreement. So if you want to have an impact right now, whether you're an agile champion or an impact driver of any kind, be prepared to go into a senior executive's in office and say, hey, I just, in case you're interested, I have six specific practices that will help improve productivity in a hybrid work environment and make people happy about doing it. 
And you're Ooh. like, what? Huh? Yeah. How? Well, let me tell you, I read a book by Mark Kilby and Johanna Rothman. I checked out the collaboration superpowers team and I started looking into these virtual whiteboards called Mural and Miro. I've yeah. done my homework. And if you do your homework, you can set yourself apart with senior leaders of solving what I believe is an existential leadership challenge for our time right now. Oh, oh, I love it. Speaking of management challenges, I want to talk about a touchy subject that you brought up and wanted to talk about uh -oh. today, uh -oh. which is forgetting about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you mentioned that Agile is forgetting about DEI, and that's a pretty bold statement. So tell me more. It's not my statement. It's an entire research paper from the Business Agility Institute. And this was a fascinating little report that I think was long overdue. One of the things that happened when the pandemic hit, and then we saw the social justice movement rise in the summer of 2000, the Agile community responded by mm -hmm. creating real dialogue, and much the same way that most of the corporate world responded by creating lots of dialogue about what does it mean when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, what does equity mean? And yep. What about DEIJ for justice or DEIB mm. for belonging? You know, what is all of this about? And then what's happened in the industry in the last year or so is we've seen a significant drop off in the corporate investment and corporate commitment to DEI initiatives. There are DEI experts being laid off quietly mm. because it was hot for five minutes and now yeah. we're in a correction. Right now, there's a lot of cost cutting going on. There's a lot of staff cutting. So the BAI, the Business Agility Institute, did a report and they asked and we had an honest conversation. And what we discovered was that DEI is generally not considered a core aspect of agile ways of working, nor business agility, nor agile transformations. It's just not something you would think is related to it. And it's because it's not talked about. Collaboration, mm -hmm. well, doesn't that what collaboration means? Isn't that what individuals and interactions empowerment means? Well, here's the other big sighting. Most of the agile processes and rituals were built by the majority. If you take a look at the photo mm. from the Agile Manifesto, mm -hmm. they're all middle-aged white men from the United yeah. States. There are a couple yep. of Brits, but they're all Western middle-aged white men who came up with this movement. And many of these techniques exclude certain people of certain diversity attributes, like really? diversity. Wow. So if you're an introvert, I don't want to show up at this daily stand-up and talk about my day. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, you're just not being collaborative for us extroverts who are dominant in our verbal capacities. And so yeah. there's a real awakening that needs to happen here. And I give these guys a lot of credit for posting this. We'll provide a link to it yep. in the show notes. Another finding instances of bias and microaggressions continue to persist inside those 70% happy agile organizations. And so there's a mm -hmm. lot more of looking in the mirror that needs to happen. Wow. Wow. Okay. So it's not all doom and gloom though, right? There's got to be, you know, we've got to bring the reality of it's not all sunshine and flowers, but what do we tell our impact drivers to do about this? So they want to support agile ways of working. They want to make sure they're being inclusive and equitable and having a diverse set of opinions, ideas, thoughts, backgrounds, et cetera, bringing that to the table. Let's say they have a hybrid workforce. Well, some of them are working from home. Some people are in the office. Let's say that all of this is a real thing for them, right? So what do you recommend that our impact drivers do differently right now? Because we don't want to just say, okay, 
things are a mess, they might say, yeah, so what do I do to fix it? So Jesse, what do they do? One word, listen. Mm. Listen to people. Mm. So that person who doesn't turn on their webcam because they got kids in the background and every time they unmute, you can hear the child cooing and gagaing in the background. Listen to their situation. They're not being yeah. difficult. They are in a difficult situation. That yeah. executive who's telling people that we need to go faster, go faster, go faster. Listen to why. Why, why do you right. feel this pressure? Well, because if we don't hit these deadlines, if I can't show KPI progress, if I can't show movement on the needle, my job is at risk as a CEO to the board. Okay. And that means everybody else's jobs could be at risk everybody as well. else because they're going to bring in a new CEO. When they bring you in a new make CEO, change. there's going to be a whole <laughs> sweeping change of the roster. Mm -hmm. Listen to your people, listen to your leaders, because what they're going through are legitimate challenges. Yeah. We're so passionate as impact drivers and change makers and transformation leaders. We're so passionate about a better possibility, a better future, a better work environment that our own convictions get in the way of empathy and compassion and bringing other people on the journey. So you want more buy-in on change? How about you buy into their pain? Yeah. Now suddenly, if people believe that you're listening and that you care, now suddenly you have a partner and we can mm -hmm. start talking about the way to move forward. And, and, right. and in all three of these scenarios, whether it's leaders that are trimming staff, the DEI problem, the remote hybrid problem, it's all about listening in a way that builds your credibility so that you earn the right to partner with people on the change. Oh, I love that. Earn the right to partner with people on the change. That is awesome. Isn't it funny, Jesse, how everything, all these challenges and problems, and also the solutions to those problems really all comes down to people and learning how to do change with them instead of to them, bring them with you through the process instead of forcing them or pushing them or pulling them or selling them through the process. It's interesting how it all comes back to the people. It is. And we need those systems. We need, you know, mm -hmm. people, process, and tools. We need, my colleague Pete Barons refers to as policies, metrics, and structures. We need those mm -hmm. things to solidify the agreements we make with people. And the agreements mm. we make with people is here's the policy on work from home, or here's the policy yeah. on the language we want to use when we're in meetings that makes people feel safe. Mm -hmm. and, and we came up with that together, that policy. Right. Right. And I love the, it. Of course, there's always a few people that are just, they're never going to jump on board and reaching out to them for the input is not going to yield a lot of fruit, but you can't go it alone. You can't go right. this, do this alone. And the only way to get people on board is for you to buy into their needs as opposed to making them buy into your solution. Absolutely. Stop trying to sell, create a pull by providing value instead of always having to push. I love it, Jesse. Okay. So here's something really exciting. I just want to wrap up by talking about this for just one minute. You are one of the hosts of the Impact Summit this year. We're doing everything differently this year, Impact Drivers. Instead of me being the only host, I am highlighting some of my favorite thought leaders. And of course, Jesse is one of my favorites. Aww. So we're highlighting several of our favorite thought leaders this year and letting them have center stage doing interviews and bringing new thoughts, ideas, people, concepts to the table. So Jesse, I'm so honored to have you <laughs> as one of our honored thought leaders sharing the stage with me at the Impact Summit this year. 
So can you tell us a little bit about what you are excited about us covering this year? Yes, I am super excited about this because what you're doing is you're giving a platform for some of the hot topics that are going on in our industry right now. And we're going to be inviting one of my favorite experts on what does it mean to be a woman in agile leadership and how is it different? I want to ask one of my favorite agile coaches to talk about empowerment versus delivery. When push yep. comes to shove, which one wins? Because right. going fast sometimes means leaving people behind. We're going to talk about how do you measure agility and agile maturity. We're going to talk about what impact drivers need to know about profitability. If you mm -hmm. don't know how your initiative is going to impact the bottom line already, you're less interesting to senior executives. So, right. uh, so we're going to talk about all of these things and how agility relates to these kinds of skills and techniques. It's going to be a fun ride. Oh, I'm so excited. So excited. So excited. Okay. So we're out of time here, Impact Drivers. I wish I could just talk with Jesse all day long, but you'll just have to come see him in all of his fabulous sessions at this year's Impact Summit. So with that said, Jesse, thank you so much for being back here on the podcast. I am sure I will have you back again soon. And I can't wait to showcase all of your great ideas and your friends and colleagues in this industry at the Impact Summit this year. Impact Driver, if you are not registered, go register now. There are going to be some fun things that only people registered in advance are going to have access to. So just go to impactsummit.global right now and register for free today. And let's get this party started. Bye-bye for now.